you have a good story. Uh, but like any story, uh, whether it be a Hollywood movie or a good novel, if you were stuck in the middle of that story, you wouldn't like it very much. Uh, it seems sometimes the better the story is, the harder it seems right in the middle of it. Um, we all have a good story, uh, and in the middle of it, it, it's really quite painful. But we know one thing, uh, that the author of our story is a good author who loves us very much. Uh, today I'd like to share with you from the 23rd Psalm. Uh, and I've been realizing uh, recently that this psalm is all about our story. It's about the story that has, God has each of us in. And, um, but we often don't see this psalm this way. Uh, I think often we uh, read this psalm kind of in a kind of a cheesy Sunday school version uh, that everything is happy and cheerful and everything is okay. Uh, uh, for example, as I was uh, preparing for this, I did a little Google search on images regarding this 23rd Psalm. So if we can have the next slide up there. I think this is what people think of when you think of the 23rd Psalm. Uh, everything is cheerful and warm, and there's sheep, and Jesus looks very calm. Uh, but this doesn't feel like my life. Uh, I don't know, there, you know, there may have been a couple of days in the last five years that felt like this. Uh, but that's not real life. Real life looks a little bit more like this next one. Uh, that looks a little bit more like real life. Uh, it's kind of dry. It's kind of a desert. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, but it doesn't look like that. Uh, often, it looks even more like this, this next one. Uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Um, you see the cat there with the 23 uh, German shepherds looking at him. That's what life feels like a lot of times. Um, go on to the next one. The Lord is my shepherd. The most important thing about this psalm is that we know who the author is. Uh, because we know the author. He's good. He loves us. He's our shepherd. Uh, and he wants good things for us. We can go to the next. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Life doesn't look like that very often. Um, uh, often it doesn't look like I'm in green pastures and it doesn't often look like I'm in still waters. Uh, but that is actually what God likes for us and wants for us. He does want good things for us in our life. Often the problem is not, we often look at our lives and we see that this, we don't like our situation. We don't like the situation that God has put us in. And we would like to pray and ask God to just drop us right in the middle of the green pastures. Take me out of right here and take me over to there because over there looks much more comfortable. I want the green pastures. 
But I think one of the problems why God can't just up and do that is because if he picked up me and he put me in the green pastures today, then I would be there. And I would mess up the green pastures. Um, because as soon as he puts me in the green pastures, I'm looking over into the next pasture, and that one looks a lot greener on the other side of the fence. Uh, see, the problem with most of my situation is not actually the situation. The problem is inside of me. Uh, therefore, he needs to take us to the next section. Uh, go on. Um, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, paths of righteousness uh, are uncomfortable. Uh, paths of righteousness are how he changes me and leads me and, and makes me into a new person. Paths of righteousness are the ways that he changes me so that I can actually enjoy the green pastures when I get there. Um, Green pastures are the way that he shows me the sin in my heart uh, and helps reveal that and begins transforming me. Um, and I definitely should have brought up my talk notes. Um, I'll just go on. I'm sure I'll remember it as I go. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Uh, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Sometimes these paths of righteousness, which are the, these paths of righteousness are the really hard times in our life. They're the uncomfortable things that reveal things about who we are, and sometimes they get so uncomfortable uh, that they feel like the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, they feel like death. Uh, they're not actually death. They're just the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, but they, they feel like death. Um, and when God brings us through these situations, uh, he's doing something very important in us. Uh, he's revealing ourself. Um, a little bit of our own, my own story in this. Um, about four years ago, uh, we followed God's call uh, to adopt uh, two kids into our family. Uh, and uh, it was definitely his calling on us. Uh, in about, about six months to a year into the process of of, of this process, I had originally thought that I was a pretty good parent. I thought I kind of had it figured out. I knew what, you know, how to raise children. Uh, about six months or a year into the process of, of adoption, I discovered that I was dead wrong. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, uh, I didn't know how to raise children. In fact, uh, it was really ugly um, uh, because I have a problem. One of my idols, which is, uh, is uh, uh, efficiency. I like to get things done. Uh, I like to do things well. Uh, I like to be on time. Um, and when you're raising uh, four small children and you're trying to get to church on Sunday morning in middle of winter, uh, you, we had two three-year-olds and two four-year-olds at that time. 
so what it looks like is this, is you grab one and you try to force on their gloves and their coat and their hat uh, and their shoes and try to shuffle them out the door. Uh, and then you grab number two and you try to do the same thing. Uh, but by the time you're done clothing number two, number one is running around naked. Um, and then you got to catch him and clothe him again and try to get number three, and number two is naked and running around the house. And I am raging. Um, because, there's, because I love to be efficient. I, I don't like to do things twice, and I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And my situation is running into my idol of efficiency, and it's making me angry. Um, out the door now! Uh, I don't care if you're clothed or not. Get out the door. We're going to church naked if you must. Um, see, it's my idols... It's my idol that is being revealed in this situation. The situation is very uncomfortable, but it's only my idol that's making it unbearable. See, if anybody on the outside of this story thinks it's hilarious, uh, it's just funny. You could make a whole comedy skit about what's going on right now, but I'm angry about it because it's my idol. Here are a few idols uh, that you might share with me. Control, efficiency, comfort, power, approval, work. You can read the rest. All of these things are really good things. At least most of them. I think there's not any that are necessarily bad. Um, but whenever any of these things that are in, that are our values that we care about that become ultimate values, so very important they become an idol in our heart. Uh, and the valley of the shadow of death is when those things become unbearable in my situation. It's a little bit like this. Uh, for my whole life, it's like for your whole life you've been wearing a ball and chain, which is your idol. Uh, and you're walking around going, I'm fine. I, I, I can do this. I can do life with my idol. That's okay. It's no big deal. Uh, and the valley of the shadow is death is when you're in the, you've got to cross a river and you're crossing the river with your ball and chain and the water is rising up until only your lips are sticking out of the water and the water is going up. And you go, um, Jesus, would you take that please? Because I don't think I'm going to survive. And he says, oh. I've been waiting for 40 years for you to give this up. I've been wanting to take this from you because it's been hurting you and it's been keeping you miserable and keeping the people around you miserable. And I'm so glad that you finally asked me to take that away from you. And you realized that it was killing you. Um, and that's what these valleys of the shadow of death do. It's when I realized in the middle of this adoption process, I can't do this. I can't hold on to efficiency and <laughs> raise my children at the same time. And he begins to reveal it to me and show it to me as sin in a way that I can't ignore anymore. That's the valley of the shadow of death. Get on the next one. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Actually, go back one. I forgot one thing about that. The good thing about the valley of the shadow of death, he's there with us. He doesn't say, go on, enjoy, have a good time. Uh, We'll see you on the other side. He walks straight through it with us. The rod and the staff in this, they are the presence of God. It's his leading. He doesn't, the valley of the shadow of death's no accident. He walked it for us. You're a sheep. The sheep don't walk in front of the shepherd. The shepherd walks that path first. And so we don't have to be afraid in the valley because we know that he's there. We have a good shepherd. We have, and he's leading us into these really hard times because he loves us and because he's doing something very spectacular in our lives. So we'll look at the next one now. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. When you get to the other side of the valley, there's a table, a great feast spread out in front of you. It's actually the same thing, I think, as the still pastures in the green waters. Uh, Now it's a table. And it's a great feast. And the really interesting thing about this feast is that your enemy is still there. I'm still the father of four small children, and I still have a hard time with that. Um, You get to the other side, and your angry boss is still there. And your work situation is still there. And it's not that he picked you up and put you in a brand new situation. Your heart has been changed. Your idols have been revealed and you've been grown in repentance and being able to take them aside and give them to Jesus. And you are a new person who on the other side of the shadow of death is able to sit down at the table and enjoy it. Now you can sit at the still waters and you can sit in the green pastures and you can sit at the table with your enemy sitting there and enjoy it. Your cup overflows because now you, are being, you have been to some extent transformed by the gospel. And he's going to keep doing that. Unfortunately, one valley is not enough. Uh, he keeps walking us through them because he loves us. Let's get the next one. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is another verse that we love to quote. Uh, It it can be another Sunday school verse. Um, Feels really warm and fuzzy. Um, I was learning about this word, follow me. Uh, In Hebrew, it's irdefuni. And this word is, is very much not a Sunday school word. Um, it's the word that's used to describe, if you, in battle, uh, you have two armies. Uh, one is defeated the other army, and they are fleeing. Irdefuni is when you follow them and kill them all. That's irdefuni. That's like you unstopping, never giving up until it's all finished. That's how his goodness and mercy follow us. He's not going to give up on us. 
He's going to keep coming after us because he loves us and he wants green pastures for us. And he wants us to live in him, with him forever. Um, so he's not going to give up. And what that means is he's going to keep bringing us through those paths of righteousness. He's going to keep bringing us through valleys um, because he wants us to be able to rejoice in our situation. In the middle of where we are, he's not so interested in changing our situation and fixing it and making it all better. He's very interested in fixing us and making us into new people who can rejoice right where we are and delight in our lives and in delight in the people that are around us. So I have a, one question. What is God doing in you? What's your story right now? Because we have a really good author. We have a good hero of our story. That's, and the hero is not us. It's Jesus. And he's doing something in your life right now. What is it? Take some time to think about it. What, what's he trying to reveal in the situation that's so uncomfortable? What's he revealing about the state of your heart and what you're caring about more than him? Repent of it. Give it to him. Allow him to do the good work that he wants you to do in you. He wants to do in you so that you can enjoy those green pastures. Let me pray. Father, um, you are good. You are a good author. You are writing each of our stories in powerful ways. We, it's not comfortable, it hurts. Um, but you are good and we trust you. Help us to see you in the midst of it. Help us to see the things that you're revealing about our hearts. Help us to bring them to you and repent of them. Help us to keep repenting of them every day so we can be the transformed kind of people that you want for us to be. So we can rejoice and be happy in all of who you are and all the good gifts that you've given to us. In Jesus' name I pray.